Welcome to Woodworker and Wife. We're Dan and Bethany Myers. We've been married for over five years and have three little girls. Are we marriage experts, parenting experts, life experts, perfect in every way? Not even close. But we do happen to have a microphone and, more importantly, we want to share what God has done and is currently doing in our lives in order to encourage you. Bethany, and we are woodworker and wife. I'm the woodworker. I'm the wife. This past weekend, we traveled three hours to visit my family, uh, my East Coast uncle, who I haven't seen in some time, um, was in town, and a lot of my family on that side have only met our oldest, Jane. Uh, in fact, the last time we all saw that family, we were pregnant with Eleanor, so it had been more than two years. Um, during the drive there and back, Bethany and I had a lot of time to talk and dream and discuss things relevant to us, like this podcast. And as we were discussing our intentions for this week's episode, we realized that we had a lot to share and it would not be good of us to do it just in one episode. We thought that it would need to be at least a two or three part series to kind of get each of the things across. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened. <laughs> it's been an eventful year. It was an eventful summer. We're just talking about last summer. Yeah. Not even the year that followed. Yeah. Just last summer and the craziness of that. Um. So, to kind of jump more into, um, I mean, we've given our backstory on where we were and kind of Dan resigning from his job. Yep. Resigning. And um, from there, jumping into job searching and all that. And, uh, but lately, as I've been getting back into ladies' Bible study and starting homeschool with our kiddos and also uh, listening to podcasts, uh, we've been having the story of Moses pop up a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible study I'm doing uh, at church right now is Priscilla Shire, Shire's One in a Million, which talks about Moses. Uh, the Bible study that I do in co-op right now is three or four lessons into Moses. And we listened to a podcast on the way home yesterday that was also dun da 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 Moses. Story of Moses. It's like hitting me over me over my head right now it's just everywhere um and you know that's a god thing i mean when he that many times it, it just, it's a god thing yeah. and the the big thing that keeps coming up is uh, being in the wilderness with the israelites and um we recently uh i think we're discussing 
last week at our study um, being on the edge of the wilderness and seeing into the wilderness and what what lay ahead of the Israelites and the challenges that they were going to face and everything. Um, and I think we anticipated we were in that season, I'd say, January of 2018. Okay. Right? We're starting and to see the writing see, on the wall. And yeah, yeah getting an idea of what could be coming our way yeah and and kind of anticipating like this could be happening and then um when dan was actually forced to resign and then going into that summer job searching um we kind of we were in the wilderness Mm -hmm. and um it it's tough yeah it is tough being in the wilderness um we really did feel like we were wandering through the summer because we didn't know really what was next. Yeah. We had well, no sense. Yeah. The, we were we were being led, I would say. We were mm-hmm. still getting leadings. We were still getting promptings. God was still saying, do this, go here, be whatever. But we it was unclear directionally. Yes. Um, and it was definitely like... It felt wandering-esque, mm-hmm. like, because it just didn't seem to make sense. It still doesn't... We're not out of that season, I would say, yet. I think we are on the precipice of being out of that season, but we are definitely still in that, where are we going, what are we doing? And we can delve into that more on another episode as to where we are at. Um, but for now, we want to go back and discuss <laughs> last summer and... Um, why don't you talk a little bit more about your job searching and um i can chime in here or there about yeah so as we as we discussed uh, yesterday on the drive back um we came up with a list of things that we wanted to talk about and the job search career transition was one of the chief components and beth and i both have experience of career transitions you know, getting into teaching and then getting out of teaching. And in each of our own stories with that, really there's a lot of trust and faithfulness and obedience that is required of us and was required of us and God's blessings that came through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll start with one of my first ones. Um, I learned to trust God in probably my first, uh, not my first job search because, you know, I had, when I first started teaching, you know, I got a job. It wasn't easy, but I had a sense that I would get a job, and if not, I could find something uh, locally. Um, but after... You seem unconcerned with being able to find one, I guess. And then like I was, was finishing just, up grad school. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was... I guess I, I could have found something at the university research-wise in mm-hmm. the meantime. If needed, I wasn't too concerned. Um, and even then, my faithfulness was more green. I mean, I was still, you know, earlier on in my relationship with Christ and, mm-hmm. and figuring things out there. But um, my first year of teaching was at a parochial school in Indianapolis. And if I had the chance to, you know, to still teach... Oops. Sorry. 
Uh, I would want to go back and teach at that school. You know, the kids were great, the staff was great, but the pay sucked. I mean, it was a Catholic school and private, private, and uh, but the kids were great, staff was great, um, but through my parents urging and me praying about it, I ended up deciding to search for a public school position that had higher pay and benefits, um, and I really only focused on jobs in Indiana at that time because I wasn't ready to leave the state yet. Um, but then it grew to Michigan as well because I thought, well, you know, here, there, just get a job. Um, so that summer of 2013, I drove more than 2,700 miles between Indiana and Michigan for several interviews. So far. 2,700 miles. It was a lot of back and forth to Michigan, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had interviews in Portage. I had interviews in Metro Detroit. It was more more than one occasion where there was a second interview and I had to go drive back seven hours for another interview, um, which I I got used to. Um, But in all of those cases, in more than one occasion, I finished second due to quote-unquote limited experience in the secondary classroom, even though I had five years of teaching experience at university and high school levels. Make a note to remember that for later. Yeah. Yeah. Hint, hint. Coming in second. Um, Yeah. So I, you know, I got to a point in 2013 where my apartment lease ran out, and I got things moved into storage and worked it out. I had a a friend from uh, like a adult single career, young adult, not young adult. I'm tired here. Uh, but that type of small group, and he bought a house, and so a couple of his guys moved in with him. And so I was there two or three weeks, but I had some place to go. I still had no job lined up, um, which was a little frightening. But at the same time, I just I knew in my gut that God was going to provide something. And uh, there came a point where I had received a job offer at a school in Fishers, Indiana, Meanwhile, I was interviewing for the district I grew up in. Found out on a Saturday that I did not get the job in the district I grew up in, that I came in second. Um, And so then Monday morning, I called Fishers and said, Hey, I know school starts next week. Um, Let's just move up. Signing the paperwork from Wednesday to today. Let's just get it done. I still had no idea if I was going to move closer there uh, from where I was living. And so I scheduled to go meet there at 2 in the afternoon. And then while I was in the shower at like 10, I had a call from the principal in Portage saying, Hey, our first, our first choice backed out. Um, his wife got a job in upstate New York where she's from, and he got a job up there. And are you still available? I said, Well, I am until 2 o'clock today. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm supposed to go sign papers for a job today at, at 2. And so we... You know, called back and forth and some negotiating and discussion, and um, I had a legitimate offer from them, and so I accepted the offer. I thought, well, it's, it gets me closer to home where I want to be. Mm-hmm. I called Fishers and left a voicemail saying, "I'm sorry, I know it puts <clears throat> you in a crappy position, but I got a job offer and it gets me halfway closer to home." Much closer, yeah. 
you know, which is what I wanted. Um, and it was going to give me an extra, like, two weeks of vacation because Michigan started after later, Labor Day yeah. Yeah. and Indiana was starting the second week of August. Uh, so with that in mind, um, remember I had things in storage. I was living with a buddy. Um, this was on a Monday this all happened. Tuesday, one of the roommates brought his little mobile hotspot thing home, jetpack. I used it to search online for apartments and townhouses. And Wednesday, I drove up to Portage, met with the principal, signed papers, went apartment hunting. Uh, one of my former roommates from grad school lived up there, so I stayed with him. Thursday, I signed a lease on an apartment, reserved a budget truck online, and the very next week on the next Wednesday, loaded up my budget truck, put my uh, Chevy Equinox on a trailer, and I moved up here to Michigan, mm -hmm. all within a week, really. Just an intense faith. Yeah. You know, knowing that God would provide something, knowing in my gut that it would happen, and it did. Um, so, you know, the underlying aspect here that I want to stress is my, I say, mostly unwavering faith, because of course I had doubts, of course I had anxiety and worry, yeah. um, but I had the sense that God was going to have a handle on my situation, because he told me he would. I was confident something would good come from it. Um, but the, the question that I want to consider and for you listeners to consider is, is demonstrating this kind of faith easier or more difficult as a single person compared to being married with kids, with bills, with the house payment? Is it easier? Is it harder? To demonstrate that faith? Yeah. I mean... I mean, I was single at the time. I didn't have anyone relying on me. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's easier to trust that something's going to come through without the worry or the anxiety aspect. So, like having the faith, you can have you know what I mean? like you can have faith that it's going to it's going to happen. You could have the same amount of faith, but like the 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 pressure Mm. is more so that might try to make your faith waver more um, but when you have a story like this in your past because I have a similar <laughs> story like that in my past um, you look at that and you go you did it then you're going to do it now mm. and <clears throat> because of that it's like okay like I just need to remind myself of that granted I am not the provider in our home so I think it's a different, it's a different pressure. Yeah. Um, because we are one income household. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> good talk about that forever. But um, but yeah, I would. I don't know. It's a hard question to answer. Yeah, I mean, on, on one hand, I want to say, oh, it's. You know, it's a moot point. Either you have faith or you don't. Mm -hmm. I think you're right that because we have, I have this story in my background. Yeah. You have a story of not even getting a job your first year out. Yeah, yeah. You know, being told that you, you're special ed, you know, you're going to get a job. And then you didn't. Yeah. Um, why don't you share about that real quick? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so during college, my this, the director of special education, um, she had a hundred percent placement rate. Granted, this was a small program, so it wasn't like it was super big, but still, she had a hundred percent placement rate of graduates. And I remember her saying that in like my third or fourth year, and I went, "Yeah, that's not going to happen for me." Like I just knew as soon as she said it, I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to break that. That's just not going to be the case." <laughs> Um, and I said it somewhat jokingly, but in my heart, I knew like it just was not going to happen. And I couldn't say why I just knew. So, um, even with that, it was still surprising to me, um, that when I graduated, I didn't have a job and I job searched and I job searched and I job searched and I did some interviews um, and I think I was a little more picky about what I applied for that summer too. Like I didn't just go, oh, you know what? It's a special ed job. It's within this many miles of where I live or whatever. I should just apply. I was a little bit pickier. Um, and I just, I didn't get one. I came in second and then that school actually ended up needing another special ed teacher, um, because another one left and then I didn't get that either, that other position. They called me back and they're like, yeah, maybe not. And I was really looking back, I'm grateful I didn't get it, because what does that say about one special ed teacher left that school, and then two months later, or whatever, however much time it was, another one left, and the whole department was new. Like, um, that's a little scary. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Though, oddly enough, I hired into a school. Anyway, um, so that whole year, um... I didn't get a special ed job. And I was doing that like full-time searching for jobs. I would look in the morning, I would look at lunch, and then I would look in the evening every day. So three times a day, every day, all summer. And then I continued to do that during the school year, probably like once a day because there's just not that many job postings for teachers during the school year. And at first I didn't have any job. I had to move back home with my parents. Um, I worked first, my first part-time job was teaching a four and fives class at a local church. Um, from there, I started uh, providing child care for a little girl who was three who, are at, who had cerebral palsy. So I would pick her up from school and take her home and care for her two days a week. Um, and I also provided child care at MOPS. And then from there, I added in substitute teaching three days a week. And then somewhere in there I started cleaning three evenings a week and then I also added in tutoring twice a week in two afternoons three after three afternoons a week I think I think that was all my part-time jobs there's like five or six I wasn't counting <clears throat> but they were all at the same time same day so they didn't conflict ever the schedule never changed some days were really long I would start I would leave the house at 8.30 and not get home until after midnight. That's a long day. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I uh, spent a whole year doing that and uh, just saving money. I didn't spend money at all. All I did was save money, and I didn't... Did you pay your school bills? I put them on deferment mm. because I could... I was underemployed. <laughs> which sounds ridiculous when you're putting in that many hours a week. Um, and I just put them on deferment and saved as much money as I could. Um, banked everything. I still only made a couple thousand dollars that year. Like, 
just enough money that when summer came and all of my school year long job stopped and all I was doing was cleaning, I had just enough money to start paying on the school bills that I could no longer defer and I barely made it through the summer. That's how expensive it is to go to school. <laughs> it's terrible. And um, that summer, I my only job that I had left was cleaning. I couldn't find anything else to add to that. And uh, I would cry and clean, which is the most like depressing sounding thing ever. To Adele. To Adele and a couple of worship CDs because... I can't listen to any of that music now. It just makes me sad. So instantaneously, I mean, like, you left the CD in the car. One time I was like, why did you leave that CD in the car? On um, When I got in the car, the car, it was playing. And I, like, was like, you can't, you need to put this CD somewhere. I can't listen to it. Like, because it instantaneously sparks all those For the record, I don't own feelings. any Adele CDs, so it must have been a worship it CD. It was a worship CD. It was, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so... Yeah, and I just cried and cleaned, and I went, God, you told me to do this. Where is my job? You told me to do this. Where is my job? Like, I'm just going to keep applying. You told me to do this. And I just, like, I had that conversation with myself every day. You told me to do this. I'm going to keep trying. But where's my job? Like, mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I'm being obedient, but where's the, you know, what's the result here? Well, and it, and it wasn't even, like, I want this, because let's be honest, like, if you had had known me before being a teacher, especially if you had known me, you would have been like, really, a teacher? Like, that's okay, but it's what God told me to do. And so, I guess previously in my life, it was like, if I'm obedient to God, and he tells me to do something, he's going to keep me on that track until he has, you know, until I've reached the point where he wants me to switch. And I knew he didn't want me to switch, so I didn't understand why he was keeping me on this track, but he didn't want me to switch, but he wasn't providing the next step. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you're just in this like weird waiting zone, wilderness zone, we'll call it that, mm -hmm. where you're like, what the heck is happening here? So anyway, um, I ended up getting a phone call for an interview in Ionia, and I went and interviewed there. During the interview, person literally said, Oh, there were two principals. One of them said, I don't understand why you don't have a job. Like, can you tell me why you don't have a job? Because he just was flabbergasted that mm -hmm. I guess I was presenting myself really well. Um, and I was like, I haven't had any interviews. I'd had one interview that entire summer. One. And uh, he was mystified. Like, really? One interview? That's it? And I was like, yep, that's it. I've had one in three months. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, needless to say, I got a job offer from them, but um, right before they called, I got a call from another school saying, hey, can you come in at an interview? We have a position we need to fill. So, I had an interview on Thursday. I had an interview Friday morning. That one also went really well after the interview. Obviously, it went well. After the interview, they um, asked me to wait in the office so they could discuss things. <laughs> they wanted to move quick. <clears throat> well, they wanted somebody to fill the position by Tuesday, from Friday to Tuesday. And so they, I waited in the office. They chatted for maybe five minutes. They came back. The vice principal grabbed me and said, hey, we want to give you a tour of the building. They took me on a tour, had me meet my potential co-teacher, um... And they called me that afternoon and said, hey, we have a job opening for you. I accepted that one, which paid better 
and I needed that in order to cover my school bills and actually live in Grand Rapids. And because um, the Ionia job, as much as I liked it, did not cover those things, um, I really would have had to scrimp um, and barely make ends meet in order to Well, you would have been there. working there and finding part-time stuff on top of that. Probably. Yeah, probably. Um, it would have been rough. Anyway, and so he finally provided a job, but come to find out, I, he... God had a specific school in mind for me, um, and uh, a few hours after I accepted the position, I got a call from the vice principal saying that the principal quit, which was kind of weird. At the school you just... Yes, the, the school I had just accepted a job offer from, the vice principal called and said, hey, yeah, the, our principal just quit. This does not affect your employment. You are still hired. Don't worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, uh, okay. And um, what I found out from the staff is that this principal who quit was crazy, um, really micromanaging, really intensive and just strange and like lots of weird habits. And um, I think had I been uh, teaching there under his leadership, it might have squashed me. And so I think God was like, hey, I have a place for you, but it's not ready yet. And so he had me wait to get this place ready so that way I could go there and do his work to the best of my ability. Hmm. It was a long story. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> we both have faith stories. Yeah. I mean, and that's from our single hood. Yes. Yes. You know, so God did stuff to us mm -hmm. and, and with us yep. while we were each single before we met. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. you, you kind of know the rest of the story from, what, episode two, our love story? Or is that episode three? Uh, an episode. An episode. Our <laughs> love story. Where, you know, for me, that summer of driving 2,700 miles was 2013. I moved up to Portage in mid-August, mid to late August. Mm -hmm. And within a week or two, I had met Beth on eHarmony. Yeah, that was my so, second year of teaching, so it was the following yeah. year. But, yeah. So, in my second year as well, but I took a much different path to get there than you did. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, he God had a plan for that. He did. I mean, mm -hmm. where do, you and I were part of his plan. Yes. And it just took a lot of doing to get you ready there. It took a lot of doing to get me there to be ready. Mm -hmm. um, and we're so. now at this point. And we're now 2019. Um, last spring, summer, we went through another career transition. Yeah. Um, with my forced resignation. And, um, you know, the job search, to put it into perspective, from April through September of last year, I, and I keep a spreadsheet of all the jobs I've applied to and if there's been callbacks or emails yes. or interviews. You're very organized. I'm always impressed. And it's color-coded <laughs> if I yes, had an interview or not. I had more than 160 <clears throat> job applications sent out, whether through it's Indeed, crazy. LinkedIn, through online portals. And it was throw all the mud on the wall and see what stock type situation. Basically. Yeah. And Anything that seemed interesting. But within the within the industry of learning and development. Yes. And it took me a while to figure out like learning and development, but I, you know, thought, well, okay, 
do I want to do something with my chemistry degree or do I want to do something with my teaching degree? Which you did try with the chemistry degree. You had yep. a job interview for that, I do recall. I did. Yeah. Um, but it was not, not as a chemist, right but as a mass spectrometer <clears throat> service engineer at a oh, local yep. uh, place. And that one I ended up coming in second. Yeah. Well, what about the interview in Manawan? What was that for? That was the year before, I think. Oh. <laughs> or a year before that. Oops. So even okay. though, so even while I was teaching previously, the last the years before that, mm -hmm. I was still applying to some jobs because I thought, you know, earlier on that I wanted to get out of teaching. And so I was exploring it without yes. telling anyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a stress thing. It was. You know, get out of the stress and, yep. um, or lower the stress. Uh, anyway. But it, it didn't work out those times. No. It wasn't meant to happen yet. And that, I mean, you had, what do we count, five sets of interviews? I think last so. Last summer? I, yeah, I had five sets of interviews last summer. Two of them were just phone interviews. Yep. And then... Three of them were multiple phone in yeah. person or f like phone phone in person in person and, yeah so you had like four or five sets that you went through right I think so so something crazy like that um, you know Zoetis mm -hmm. I interviewed and finished in second yep uh, Whirlpool, Whirlpool at their headquarters in Benton Harbor yep that was a learning and development he really liked you too. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to find somewhere for you to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it may not be the best fit for our department, but I'm going to reach out to others and try to find a spot for you. And that yeah. never materialized. It did not, unfortunately. Um, well, fortunately. Interviewed not. several times at Spectrum Health in Grand Rapids. Yep. And for each of those, it was learning and development. So, like I said, I, you know, do I pursue a chemistry type position or something with teaching? I thought, well, all right, with teaching, I don't want to be in a classroom. I could do learning and development. I had mm -hmm. researched it and found that it was quite interesting. That there was still a lot of like blended learning and it was, it's still um, teaching. It's just adults. Yeah, it is. And I had experience with adult learners by being in uh, when I taught at IEPUI for a couple semesters at the university. Um, but in each of those cases, I made it to the very end. I came in second, and you know what the primary reason was. The primary reason was that I didn't have enough experience with the software they used. Which is the same reason you came in second at your teacher interviews before you came to Portage. Was lack of experience. Yeah, it was lack of experience. And it was, you know, oh, we, you are doing this great pioneering stuff with flipped classroom or blended learning and you have experience there. But... You know, you only are one year into a high school classroom, and so we want someone with more experience. Yeah. Okay. In between that and even with, you know, an industry where they're saying, oh, we want someone with more experience with this specific software. Okay, you found me great in all these other areas. Yep. You've determined that I am teachable. I'm capable of it. And I'm capable of it. So you want the perfect candidate, quote-unquote, who knows your software even though that'll change in a minute yeah, <laughs> it, it'll change and or you know whatever other case comes about um so you know just i came in second a lot yes 
I guess is the, the theme there. Uh, I do want to say too that you know after I resigned from teaching last summer in June, pretty early on I remember laying in bed just talking to you and and saying and even praying out loud, you know, I've been doing woodworking part-time as a side hustle Mm -hmm. i really think it's something i could take full-time i don't know in what capacity yeah i don't know if we could sustain ourselves on it and i remember praying god could i do this because at this point i have no job prospects yeah well we were both scared too we had talked about it at the beginning of the summer like should we just have you pursue woodworking full-time and we were like well i think we need to look at the security of a nine-to-five yep you know, like a normal benefits, the benefits, ben- regular was the, salary, was the big thing. Yeah, and it wasn't even the regular salary; it was the benefits that go yeah. with it. Like we can downsize, we can whatever, you know, but we need health insurance mm-hmm. and a, and an income, yeah, of some sort. And so, praying through that, I felt God was saying, <clears throat> "No, not yet." Yeah, wasn't no, not ever. It was not yet. Right now is not the time. But someday. Mm-hmm. And we were thinking, okay, well, you know, I'll get a 9 to 5 and, you know, I'll, I'll work. And then once our girls are, like, kindergarten, Beth could go yeah. to work and I could do woodworking, woodworking. stuff yeah. full time. That so was our initial that thought. That was our initial plan was for me to go back to work and then I would have something that got us insurance. Yep. And Dan could then pursue woodworking with a stability there, you know, yeah. with me working and him doing this then he could devote time to it and we wouldn't have to be too concerned blah 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 obviously that is not how things happen nope it's not at all make, how it happened make plans and what does god do ha, 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> not maniacal no so you know we're we're going through july i'm interviewing going into august i'm interviewing but the interviews are scarce yeah they you know. they really started to drop off for some reason at the end of summer and um, I mean, would... put it in perspective. I had five interviews out of more than 160 applications. Uh-huh. That's three and an eighth percent. So three percent of my you were putting out of my applications being put out resulted in some oh. form of interview. Three oh, percent. That's terrible. Yep. Those are really terrible odds. Um. Yep. Yeah, and, and just by the end of summer, it was dead. I mean, there was just nothing. Nothing was happening. Nothing was coming our way. Yep. Um, and uh, Getting it was, discouraged. It, yeah, it really was. And um, it was at that point that we were like, you know, we are, and we'll talk about this more in the next episode, but we were looking at selling our house. Yeah. And um, that was kind of like, you know what, we got to prepare to do this because we don't you know whatever we don't have an income to stay here Um, yeah well we don't i had the rest of my contractually obligated teaching salary teacher salary which ended at the end of august yes yeah so we had enough to get us through summer yep but we were just i mean without a job and um it was just kind of like what are we going to do and so at that point it was well Guess now's There's the time. Nothing else. There is nothing else. Nothing else is coming your way. Mm-hmm. You're still applying to just as many jobs as you were previously, and nothing was happening. Yep. And it was like, well, might as well. Yep. 
And, um, well, I mean, God doesn't tell us to have faith and sit idly by. No. It's have faith it's an and thing. act. You know, do. Yeah. You know, get out and do something. So, you know, oh, God, please give me a job. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to apply to jobs to get a job. Yeah, they don't fall out of the sky. Nope. And so I was definitely applying. Mm-hmm. And then we reached this point of, well, we've got to have a plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are we going to be able to do? And, well, I've got this woodworking thing. Yeah. I can take that full time and, yeah. and you know, do some carpentry, some subcontracting, and mm-hmm. see how that goes. And yeah. really had no idea how it was going to shape out last summer. Nope. And no. if we go back a year ago... I don't think we would expect to be where we're at now in no. terms of relationships made and No, no, uh, it is contracting. Uh, stark contrast. Yeah. Extremely so. Uh and and I think that speaks too to the need for the trades. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you are contracting now through two businesses. You mm-hmm. were doing I mean, there's one business that's tried to get you to do yeah. multiple things. Yeah, um, really wants kept, to bring you on board and, and kept offering me positions yeah. through the winter and spring. Yeah, yeah, like you should do this big apartment complex and you should do this other thing for us and this other thing, and you're like, that's a little beyond my scope right now. Yep. Or um, let me discuss with my wife and we'll pray about it. <laughs> and then yeah. I go back and say, well, we really feel like we're supposed to stay where we're at locally. Yeah, we're stay right, local yeah. to Kalamazoo, and I'll mm-hmm. still do some things for you. Um, but we really feel like moving up to Grand Rapids is not what we're supposed to do. Even though we would love to be in Grand Rapids. Yeah, like that city a lot. Yeah. But yeah. No. Um, and so that. Though I have to say I want to go back a little bit. And speak to the hardest part of all those interviews. And all of those. Okay. Because I think that. That part of the wilderness zone that we were in. Um, it was the hope that was hard. I think hoping because you would get a call mm-hmm. that you had an interview, you would set it up, and I would go, okay, is this somewhere that if you get a job there, could we live there? So then we would, you know, play the game. Can we live in this city? Um, and so we would look up houses. Zillow, yep. ZillowRealtor.com. Yep. We would look up churches. Mm-hmm. We would look up um, school districts. Yep. Like, just... The whole, you know, can we live in this area? You know, do we know anyone from that area? And then you would be like, okay, like, yeah, I could see myself living here. I could see myself attending this church. We would even listen to a few sermons sometimes just to kind of see, like, you know, especially as the interview process progressed Mm -hmm. past that first initial to the second to the third to the so on and so forth. As they progressed more and more and more, it was like, oh, yeah, I could see us living here, going to this church. Mm -hmm you know, looking in the area, this is maybe where I would shop or like, you know, like, oh, there's a mops group. I can definitely, you know, get connected there and like make friends and my girls could have friends and like, and you would just like, our, my hope would just rise and rise and rise. And, and I would just and have then, to get used to the fact that, okay, I, I'm going to move away from Kalamazoo. And then as soon as I got to that point where I was okay with that, I God was it. like, no, no, not going there. And you're just like, Oh, what now? Back to square like, one, darn and, it. And I would cry, and I would just be like, mm, 
I was finally okay with this this morning, and you would get a call that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Every time. Every time. And it got to the point where I was scared to get okay with moving. Because I knew what it, it meant that we weren't going to get that job. So, that was the hardest part for me. Yeah. What was the hardest part for you? Uh, the hardest part was knowing that I was the provider for their family. Mm-hmm. And I think getting to a point feeling like, what am I going to be able to do to provide for us? Yeah. You know, I have marketable skills and, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to break the plane of getting noticed by a company. I even reached out to people who would refer me on and mm-hmm. even that didn't always work. But when I did get the interviews, it was, oh, yeah, you have such great skills and marketable skills mm-hmm. and you're presenting yourself well. Oh, but you've never used this software before. And so we really want you, we really want someone that can use that. Yeah. It's like, well, but in all the experience I've shared in a classroom setting, Mm -hmm. it's a unique position to come in with. Yep. You know, for one thing. So give that a shot. And of course I don't have experience with that software. You know, I I work in a public school. They don't have a site license for that. (laughs) No. No. And why why would they? Heck, even a class where I could use it would be an elective you know, that's not going to be covered. No, no. And there is that great disconnect between mm-hmm. industry and, and, teaching. And, and teaching. Teaching is like its own weird yep. world of things. I'm not mm-hmm. even sure how to describe it. So if it. you're looking to go from a teaching career to get out of <clears throat> teaching, um, you know, one, I would suggest meeting with a career counselor. Oh, yeah. Um, I did, and we looked at uh, the Clifton Strength Finders test Finders, yeah. to figure out what my top five strengths were. And how they interrelate with one another, mm-hmm. and I was able to put that into my resume and, and talk to about it. Reorient your resume too to make it. I mean, because when you're in the College of Education, they like all teacher resumes look so similar. Mm-hmm. They have the exact same layout, same format. Like it, they just all look the same. You know, I've sat in on a lot of teacher interviews. They all look the same. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it was interesting for you to have to reformat that and get, you know, make it look. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you call that? The business world? I don't know. Whatever. As opposed to the educational world. They're two very different resumes. Anyway. I mean, I, I worked my butt off. Mm-hmm. We prayed. We were faithful. Yeah. And did all the right things, so to speak, in, in preparing for interviews and trying to reach out and not being lazy about it. Yeah. And it was just a dry season. You know, we were in the wilderness, kind of wandering around in the desert. Yep. And um, finally looked at, well, what skills do I have? Can they support my family? We'll find out. Yep. We'll step out in faith and see if that works for us. Yeah. I do have to say, one of the more encouraging things um, is during that season... We were truly blessed by some people. You know, we, yeah. we got um, some encouraging cards, mm-hmm. um, some gift cards to get groceries or pay for bills. And, and not because we asked, but because they just, they were praying for us and they sent them. Yep. Like Even by people we didn't expect. Yes. This one couple in particular that was not our favorite couple 
Um, we just we didn't have a positive experience with them in a small group setting. Yeah, yeah. And really felt attacked and discouraged in that process yeah. a year beforehand. But they were still praying for us. Yep. And sent us uh, a gift in the mail. Yeah. Which was so we were so we, it made us thankful. both cry. Yeah, it did because uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not you know when you're not on the best terms with someone for them to be still giving mm-hmm. is can really yeah. change how you view things. Um, and we had you know friends too who were encouraging and who helped us. Um, I mean, I think about Aubrey and Adam. And I think they moved up there. They had wanted to buy a bed from you forever. And they were like, oh, yeah, maybe we should do this sooner. <laughs> um, I'm still convinced she sent us an anonymous card in the mail. Um, anonymous. It looked like her handwriting, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I never pursued it. I never asked. So she'll listen to this and be like, oh, yeah, that was me. Or, no, it wasn't. You're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So there were there were a lot of those type blessings in there too, mm-hmm. um, Bob. Yeah. So I think we're probably wind down here and yeah. um, get ready to end the, this episode. But um, you know, in all the season of coming in second and not knowing what was coming up, definitely times of uncertainty. Like mm-hmm. what you know, where's our money going to come from to pay our bills? Yeah. Or how are we going to put food on the table? How am I going to provide for my family yeah. and still feel like a man? Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so, you know, we definitely did transition to doing carpentry and woodworking full-time. And I always mm-hmm. say we, it's a family business, even though I'm the one out doing the work. Yeah. Um, but it's a team effort, especially when she's praying for me and encouraging me throughout the day. Uh, but or filing, or filing, yeah. <laughs> um, Sometimes. But Beth did mention that uh, you know we figured out at one point that well, in order to get by, we may have to sell the house. Yeah. And so that's going to be part of our next, the next part of our series yeah. on facing times of uncertainty with faith and obedience. It's like a tagline. Yeah, yeah. Um, so next week you'll hear more about that just process. that process of, you know, listening to a prompting, yes. saying you should sell your house, and really mm-hmm. feeling that it was a wise decision to make, mm-hmm. how we had some um, encouragement with it, as well as some, I don't know what you would call it, um, like hesitation. What the hesitate. heck are you doing? Yeah, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> and, you know, that's yeah. not the right move. But I don't have a job. There was kind of one voice that said, Ma, don't do that. But the rest of it was, yeah, you should do this. This makes a ton of sense. Yeah, for the so most part. So next week we'll dive more into that mm-hmm. with the hope that, it, you know, if you're in a similar position or have been, that you're encouraged. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we pray that you're just blessed through that. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Uh, we would appreciate... If you're on Apple or Apple Podcasts, figuring out where to leave us a, a review or mm-hmm. a five star rating, yeah, I guess you can do that on the computer. I haven't found where to do that on my phone yet, but Ooh, interesting. I trust you guys are 
yeah. capable of figuring yeah. that out. Or message us. Yep. Yeah, message us with you know, just how we're impacting you. We'd appreciate hearing that. Yeah. Um, so next week, again, our faithfulness and obedience facing uncertainty with our housing mm-hmm. and the decision to sell our house by owner and the, the, just how we obeyed in that time. If you would, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. At Woodworker and Wife. You can also check out our website and blog at www.woodworkerandwife.com. If you have a question or want to reach out, please send us an email. Yeah, at woodworkerandwife.gmail.com. Yep. I don't know if there's anything else to share. We'll catch you next time. Yep. Bye.